Hello? Gavin? Can you hear me? Yes. Can How are you, you doing? Me? Good. I'm doing good. Okay. Well, you uh, ready to do this? Um, I guess so. All right. Let me set this phone up over here, maybe. Okay. Uh, all right. <clears throat> Just get a drink of water here. Yeah, of course. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Doing good. Got a lot of packages to stuff, but uh, yeah. other than that, doing pretty good. No complaints. Okay. Um, all right. So it is my pleasure to welcome back to Distazapod because we did have a, a brief conversation, I think, mm-hmm. last year. Yeah. Gavin, Gavin Mackey, the artist and collaborator behind the uh, very well-received Rex Gannon, The Indestructible Man graphic novel. So welcome, Gavin. Hello. Gavin. I'm so excited that we, uh, we get to talk about this today. Yeah, this is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Gavin, you have also recently launched a publishing label. Why don't you tell everybody about that? Give us the Instagram, and we will make sure that everybody goes and follows it. Um, sure, I'd love to. So I've started a publishing label called Chemical Garden, and it's all about sort of alternative comics, and it acts as a support structure for underrepresented artists uh we've got a lot of really exciting creators making stuff for the the label and we've got some really exciting things coming out uh but i can't say more than that so uh if i were you i would check out the instagram and follow for more updates and this is at chemical garden on instagram correct nope nope not quite (laughs) okay at chemical garden press at Chemical Garden Press. Excellent. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll make sure everybody goes and checks that out. Yeah, uh, please do. Now, to begin, for those who don't know Gavin Mackey, uh, why don't we give a brief introduction as to how we got connected? So it started on the Scottish Highlands, right? <laughs> well, you're, you're going way back. <laughs> tell, me about, tell me about Clan Mackey. Um, I couldn't tell you too much about that. I was born in Scotland, but I only lived there for about a year before we we moved to uh, America, the land of promise, to follow the American dream. Absolutely. And it has come to fruition. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I'm trying to think how we got connected. Uh, it was probably through fan art. Through... Oh, I know. I, I yeah. know exactly how this happened. Okay. Let me so let's, uh, let's begin. I, I just graduated from, um, from art school. And I, was, I wasn't really finding what art my school? Um, school of visual arts. Gotcha. SBA. Yes, absolutely. Um, I was struggling to find an outlet for my art. I didn't have too much of a a following. um, And I just sort of wasn't quite sure what to do with it. 
now on the side of that i had started getting really into the whole glio scene and i just thought it was so cool and i guess out of frustration because i i didn't have any money or anything so i just started making fan art of um of the stuff you hosted a contest where people designed their own night and i designed this uh berserker night that had spiked balls at the end of his hands mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and um people were really receptive of it they loved it um and then i think after i don't know if this was after or before but i made this sort of random glios comic about one of the battle tribes characters yes fighting alongside one of the knights um and people just loved it and after this you reached out to me and uh said hey you know we actually live pretty close to one another why don't we meet up and talk about business yeah and do you want to give away your home address yeah i'd love to it's um 420 fake street nice Uh, (laughs) um so you did that that sort of fan well let me back up first Mm -hmm. um it's very interesting like not being able to afford toys and drawing pictures of toys because that was definitely uh, a way i tried to satiate myself when i was Mm -hmm. a kid but also in the leaner years it going so far as to make like paper cutouts of figures i wanted to own oh yeah like that there there is something there is some kind of like satisfying ritual in doing that if you if you can't get it you got to make it yeah yeah for sure um but that aside uh that sort of fan comic that you did led you to paid work for me but also for um didn't you do a comic for pat was it? Yeah, yeah, for um, Biomasters. Right. He had a release where uh, it was this big event, and uh, he wanted me to do a two-page comic for him, uh, and that was a lot of fun. Yeah, that was a great piece. Um, it, it is interesting, though, because I think um, <clears throat> struggling to find your path <laughs> is it's really fucking tough, and it took me probably a decade really Mm -hmm. to to find you know because the path is not just getting compensated for what you're doing or what you want to do there's other components to it there has to be an audience that not only sees your stuff which is tricky enough but also embraces it or feels something or feels compelled to follow you or converse with you or interact with you yeah it's not just about sort of you know, finding the path by itself, there's really all these other external forces going on. And yeah, absolutely. And if any one of those components aren't there, you kind of toil in obscurity. But I feel like in some respects, you kind of carved out a a niche for yourself pretty quickly. Oh, I I think I struck gold with the the Glyos community. It's such a specific niche that's small enough that everyone kind of knows each other but yeah. big enough that there's a lot of support from like all sides. So I, I was sort of, I feel like 
there were there, there's artists in the community but not as much as say like instagram you know sure. so i was able to put myself out there and people really resonated with it and i just found a perfect niche to to put my art in yeah it's really funny you know you sort of the uh, you know the mold that you're going to fit in may not necessarily be the one you choose. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was a kid, I thought I was going to be a video game designer and, uh, or a comic book artist. Right. And yeah. <laughs> I'm sort of getting to that now all these years later, but mm. um, I, you know, I was very interested in toys and made my own, but I didn't know that was a sort of career path or, I didn't know what licensing was or things like that. You know, these yeah. things just kind of, they come to you and, and sort of mold around you. And it's really mm-hmm. interesting. And I like what you said about the community too, because I do think it's a remarkably unique fan base. And I've, you know, managed fan bases professionally for other people, for big brands, for studio films. And, yeah. you know, there is absolutely uniqueness to the glios community oh yeah you know there's a large portion of glios collectors and customers that are creatives themselves whether that's sort of fully actualized or not they are super creative you know i mean i think that's also one of the big selling points about glios because it's all about creating your own kind of figures with it yeah so everyone that's involved sort of has a bit of a creative outlook. I think like, so. Yeah. 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 Definitely. And that, you know, I do appreciate that. I think that, um, you know, I've had, there have been certain, like, let's say some young adult authors fan base. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <You know, laughs> without naming names of properties that, um, you know, are, are, full of passionate people the same way the glass community is full of passionate people mm-hmm. but um there's just not a creative bone or aspiration within any of those people or within the majority of them and yeah uh, sure you know that's that kind of sucks <laughs> <laughs> I, I hear you i also think in in some respects that the the glios community is a bit of an uh, perpetual motion engine. Like, mm. you know, I create a short story and I put it out there and then people do a photo diorama of that story. Yeah, some people get story. really into it. Like, I feel like they put more thought into the stuff than we do sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of a lot of what I do and I think a lot of what you do is on some level automatic, mm-hmm. you know, we have so much work in front of us, especially if we're doing a full length graphic novel mm-hmm. that you have to just sort of rel- you rest on instinct. And if you were critical about every single line you were putting down on paper, it would never get done. Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of it is an automatic process and, and it doesn't, for me, it doesn't really get synthesized. It doesn't become a real living, breathing, final thing until other people are then interpreting it. Mm-hmm. Just a Yeah, thought. completely. Um, have, you, have you had sort of friends and relatives um, 
get a hold of the Rex Gannon book and how was that um, experience been? I've had friends um I've had friends read it. I, I sent it to my brother and to some close friends um, so that they could sort of give me a review. And it got a lot of really positive reception. Um, I'm really surprised by just how positive people have been talking about it. Like, it really warms my heart. Yeah. Because we this this project has been cooking for so long. <laughs> Um, is, how, is, this the, is this the longest in length sort of consistent project you've put together? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the biggest comic I'd done before that was maybe um, 18 pages or 20 pages. Yeah. And this project was about 55 pages. Yes. And uh, it was a journey for sure. <laughs> And you did it through a lot of adversity as well, which seems to be, you know, I have quite a few different books going on concurrently. And mm -hmm. it's like the the strokes of bad luck, not just Corona related, but also Corona related. Yes. For the, yes. the sort of artists and co-collaborators co of mine has been staggering. It's like yeah. no, none of this stuff has been easily won. You know, these yeah. are all of these books are like just it's like warfare. It's like trench warfare. <laughs> I will say, though, um, COVID kind of was a bit of a blessing for getting this project done specifically. Yes, um, because I lost my job and it gave me something to do. So it just really focused on it and we got it done. So Gavin Mackey is saying with. 160,000 plus American dead. That Hold it's on. been a thing. Okay. Just All right. To get I wouldn't, I don't know if I'd word it that way. I think you're, <laughs> you're putting words into my mouth a little bit. Good people on both sides, he says. Okay. Well, <laughs> um, so let's talk a little bit about process. Hmm. Um, I think that for me, one of the, the hardest things about not just making comics, but just sort of storytelling in general mm -hmm. was my inability to complete anything. Okay. And I, I would imagine that that is most creative people's problems. They have great ideas. Everybody's got great ideas. And then yeah. a small portion of people have put some effort into realizing those ideals. Yeah. And then the vast majority of people never sort of cross the finish line with a, a project. They just sort of float around forever. Mm. Have you ever, like, has that been an obstacle for you? Have you ever had a fear of that? Oh, my God, absolutely. Um, I think it's really easy to come up with ideas and get excited about it, but making them is such... It's, it's a really long and tedious process that I think about halfway through, people just sort of lose excitement for it a little bit. Um, and I've certainly struggled with that with my projects, but perseverance is really, it's key to get anything done. You just have to stick with it and the joy will return to you when people see it. Absolutely. You have to remind Sorry. yourself. Oh. The, the dog is agreeing with you very emphatically. <laughs> Um, you have to remind yourself. 
Um, you have to remind yourself that you are trying to put this out there for a reason and you want other people to see what you see, really. Yes. And it's not even necessarily about other people, but to put something out there that you feel proud of, it, you, you just can't beat it. It's amazing. I agree. I agree 100%. Um, do you have a preference of working with a writer versus doing your own stuff? Or, or are they just sort of different feelings that you, you know, enjoy equally? Well, there's certainly different feelings. Um, I'm more of a visual guy, so writing is a little more difficult for me, but I've always liked to make my own work because I get to make my own decisions. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. I, I, well, I've always been sort of adverse to working with a writer, but I've learned recently in recent years um, that it can just take a lot of pressure off if someone writes a story for you and you just interpret it. Um, I think it's uh, a really good synergy if it can work. Yeah, I agree with that. There, There is also, there's a certain uh, unpreciousness to working on other people's stuff, mm. which, which can actually be more fun at times. You know, I, um, there are many times when I feel overwhelmed by the, narrative baggage of a character like Rex and his history. Yeah, yeah. Knights of the Spice and all of these tangents that I have to sort of neatly tie together. I think and it's because it's more it's more personal. It's like your baby. Yeah, absolutely. So while I don't have the luxury of doing that these days, nor the the, the want. Yeah. Um it you know I do think that like when you're in those formidable years when you're building your body of work and and sort of getting out there I do think having other people's projects that you work on even if you don't even fucking like it I think that yeah. is a very valuable skill um, and it's sort of it can help inform when you're doing your own stuff you know yeah I, yeah I, I don't know if you could be considered a well-rounded artist if you've only you know since high school done your own stuff and and that's been it although there you know there are certainly phenoms who have gone down that path yeah i think actually you know having a couple years maybe a decade where you're working on god-awful shit for people, <laughs> um it's very instructional well i think the key to finding joy in working with someone else's work is to find the areas that you excel at and find what excites you like you might not like the story but you could use that as an exercise in pushing your style and making the art really stand out or vice versa. You could experiment with the page layout, with the, the composition, just work towards <laughs> your strengths. Absolutely. Um, what is the Gavin Mackey process? So you get a script. Mm. What do you do from there? It's a let's say it's a 22 page comic. How do you tackle it? What what's what are the steps? Okay, well, if I've got a script, then I divide the script up into pages. Uh, and then I would thumbnail it out and lay out all the panels. So maybe six lines would translate to 
five or six panels and I would lay it out and do rough of all the characters where they're going to go and just get everything where it's supposed to be. And uh, if I'm working with you, then I'd send the stuff to you and you'd say, I like it. I don't like it. And we figure it out from there. Um, Then I would go on to penciling the pages. So I usually use a non-photo blue pencil just to rough everything out. Interesting. Like, I don't even draw details for the most part. I do all that with the inks. You're just sort of uh, blocking out the spaces within the panel? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I find that when when I draw too much with the penciling, it's just not as fun to ink because it's like you're drawing the same thing twice. Well, that's a really good point. Yeah, I think you're right. And, I and, think it's, what's and also it may not live up to that initial drawing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that too. Um, what was I going to say? I forgot. You were talking about the steps you sort of take. So you pencil it. Yeah. Um. And then I ink it and I send it to you and either you like it or you want some changes. Most of the changes I do uh, are on the computer because it's really easy to just fix things in Photoshop. Although recently I've been experimenting with getting pages done on the computer just because it saves ink, it saves paper and it's just faster, but it's a learning curve. What sort of uh, hardware and programs are you using for the computer portion of it? So I have a Wacom Cintiq Touch 22, uh, and it works pretty well. And I do all my drawing on Photoshop. Any experience with uh, Procreate? Um, I had an iPad long time ago and i played around with that procreate it's nothing like the procreate that we know now uh it's way more advanced now uh but no i I don't have too much experience with the the modern procreate it's um it's interesting it's sort of uh unintuitive Mm. in some respects but i i think that comes with just getting familiar with it yeah, yeah. A lot of people really swear by it. And I've seen a lot of artists start butting into the digital world just because it's sort of more accessible to them. Yes. Than perhaps Photoshop and a Cintiq. So you get inked, beautiful black and white pages. How do you approach the color theory after that? Um, coloring, I would say, is not my strong suite. (laughs) Um, I'm still experimenting with that, but mostly I just I'm kind of shocked to hear that. I think you have a good color theory. It takes a while. (laughs) I just sort of work at it until it, uh, it looks good. I'm definitely getting better at it, but I, I need more practice. Uh, mostly I sort of color it in in blocks and then you select the specific colors and if you do control u on photoshop you can change the hue and saturation and the tint 
and I just mess around with that until it starts looking good. The key is to make sure it's not too saturated. Yeah, that would be a, a problem for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I actually didn't I didn't know that hotkey trick. I may have to utilize that. I it's that. really useful. Yeah. Um so you've got it colored. Now it's time to do text. How do you approach that? You're not a handwritten text guy usually, right? Uh no. I, I would be, but it's just it's really it's not worth the effort, not worth the time. I love hand lettering, but you can't really keep up with that in the with the speed of the modern world. Yeah. In my opinion at least. Um I do all my text on Photoshop. I just sort of drag and drop it in there. Nothing nothing crazy about it. It's easy enough. Yeah. Um I'm gonna put you on the spot here. If you could choose an adventure for Rex and Vaughn right now, what would it be? Where would right you now. what's the mission? Um hmm. I would want to put them. Oh, you know what? I know exactly where I would put them. There is a place in the Knights of the Slice mythos that hasn't fully been explored yet, and that is Pangea Island. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, where dinosaurs roam. And I think it would put them completely out of their element, and they would have to deal with all these creatures that they don't quite understand. And it would be all about their survival. I think that would be fantastic. Maybe they can meet up with the Mustard Patrol. If they're still alive, yeah. Who knows? I, that, I, would, I would pay money to read that book. I think that's a, that's a pretty damn good idea. Yeah. Excellent. Interesting. What are the sort of... Uh, what are the Gavin properties? You know, what what are the genres or characters you want to put out there and then second part of that question what is a gavin mackey toy line look like hmm um let's see i am really excited about stories that follow a really untraditional story path i um i don't like traditional story structure and i love characters that 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 have a little more to them, you know. Well, I want characters that are. What, interesting. How would you how would you qualify that? Give me a uh, an example of. Well, I think it's important to learn about your character, like what they like. You know, what do they like to eat? What are their habits and hobbies? What are they thinking about? And I also want to explore more nonviolent approaches to to storytelling. I, I don't have any problems with violence. I love it, but I feel like it's sort of a crutch when it comes to coming like writing fiction. Just sort of punch your problems till they go away. And yeah. I'd like to explore where we we could go with that. An alternative. No, there's no question there. I agree hundred percent. I think about that a lot too. Um mm -hmm. I remember there was this interview with Ken Levine before Bioshock Infinite came out. And he was saying that in some respects, the technology of first person 
quote unquote shooters is limited to the only resolution is shooting somebody or killing somebody. It's in the name. The, that, you know, he sort of had this, this feeling that, you know, because VR is not really there, it's not really immersive and it wasn't, you know, at the time of Bioshock infinite and that the average gamer is maybe not so interested in, you know, what would essentially be an old point and click Mm. game that um, he just said, fuck it. And decided to, you know, open Bioshock infinite with that very gory sort of bisection that happens with the uh, skyhook. Right. Right. Um, And I thought that was really interesting that at least he, you know, he was sort of trapped by the genre and the format of the game, but did, it was something he wrestled with. And I certainly wrestle with that as well. Mm-hmm. Even though my stories are incredibly violent, mm-hmm. and if nothing else, I think at least Rex acts as a sort of reflection point of that. You know, he's a he's sort of a military guy who is in a violent world and keeps ultimately not having the ability to not, you know, jump into violence. He's sort of stuck with it. Yeah. He's sort of stuck with it, which I think is, you could argue, is the state of, you know, the Western world in some respects. Yeah. We're stuck with this legacy mm-hmm. and we just can't fucking get out of it. We can't, we can't <laughs> come out of the swerve. Yeah, I definitely feel that. Yeah, I mean, I think I also, you know, I, <clears throat> I'm very interested in uh sort of meaningful tense stories where there is almost you know there's little to no violence and i i i think a lot about tinker taylor soldier spy mm. the film by thomas alfredson which is probably one of the most boringest films ever <laughs> i've seen it more than any other film i've watched it over a hundred times because it's the only film that's downloaded on my laptop um mm. and that's just about Cold War spies, you know, a British Cold War spy. And uh, maybe I've just watched it too many times, but I find it very thrilling because there is a main character who wants to accomplish something. There There is a profound adversarial force. Mm-hmm. And ultimately through wit, he sort of gets resolution to, to everything. And okay. I guess that sort of like geopolitical feeling is part of what I'm trying to do with Turbo Atoll, even though it does devolve into very bloody yeah, um, yeah. You know, scenes of violence. But I, I am trying to, you know, the problem is violence is so immediate and yeah. effective as a storytelling and visual tool mm-hmm. that um, you really, you have to build, you have to, lay down so many layers to get a threat that feels real just by its presence. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really tough to do with the real estate that's afforded you in a, you know, 20 page comic or, yeah, definitely. Or in even a two hour movie script. You need to hit the beats. Yeah. But that's interesting. I do. Yeah. It's, 
it's like how do you get how do you get beyond that crutch yeah yeah a crutch is what it is exactly but for the you know the other side of it i also don't want there to be i i don't want to waste my time telling stories where there are no stakes mm-hmm. where there is no toll that's yeah. occurred for any of the actions anybody does and i, mean, I really- think uh, i think that's why violence is so popular it's the ultimate stake it's your life yeah 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 i don't know i I don't know what the uh the answer is but i think about that a lot too and i don't i'm not interested in writing sanitized kids stuff either yeah 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 (laughs) yeah i don't know so what are what is what are the genres you want to explore with your own work um I would like to make work that doesn't really fit into a genre. Like, I'm more interested in setting a scene and letting you explore the scene in your own pace a little bit. It's it's difficult to describe. <laughs> You're describing mist for, for something like that, maybe. Yeah. Um, but I, I want to explore different types of storytelling different types of setting i what i really would like something that i've been thinking about a lot is sci-fi stories that are less about shooting lasers and more about the fascination like the fascinating world that it exists in and what it's like to live in it yeah if that makes sense because Absolutely. I feel like uh, science fiction, it, it gets a pass as like this sort of genre nerdy thing, and it doesn't get taken very seriously. Yeah, I think and, that's been a, yeah. a problem for the genre since the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I would read that story, I think. Well, let me make it. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is the Gavin Mackey toy line? look like what scale what type of characters what accessories hit me well i've had an idea for a toy line that i've uh, i've talked to you about and you seem pretty interested but i haven't actually put it together yet (laughs) um now the idea is it serves as a companion to the already existing figures and it would be a glios dog oh yes of course i didn't i didn't want to give away what you're doing <laughs> okay cut that part out no no it's fine <laughs> yeah i do i i'm very i think about this a lot i'm very mm-hmm. interested in what a sort of modular dog would look like i think that's that's cool that'd be a lot of fun i think yeah most of the the glios figures they're very humanoid yeah and I'd like to explore different shapes. Yeah. What I like about um, RoboForce is it's made of very abstract pieces that all fit together very nicely. So it inspires a lot of creativity. Absolutely. And what I want with these dog figures is they're going to have all sorts of random little ports. So you can just plug whatever you want into it. So it could be sort of a like a companion carrying supplies or maybe it has wheels or maybe it's got a cannon 
Yeah. It's up to you, up to whoever. There's a, there's a bootlegger in Hong Kong already copying this idea as we speak. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> cut it out, cut it out. <laughs> I thought about um, maybe it'd be cool to have a protester action figure, but if I tried to manufacture that in China, I don't think I would be let back out of the country. <laughs> I think that would be very controversial and I um let's just say I don't I don't serve the same views uh <laughs> you were just calling for violence in the streets Gavin what are you talking about um I don't know if you saw it but uh Kit Lau showed off today that he's doing like a press corps group of figures and oh, really? uh, yeah, they're really interesting looking. And I think that actually, I think he's, what, I, 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 what do you know, mean by a uh, press corps? Like they're, they're like geared up with like cameras and stuff and gas masks and knee pads, like war zone correspondence almost. I really like that. Yeah, you should look. It's real. there's like a two pack and then like a female reporter. Uh, very, very interesting. And I think that that's, you know, that's kind of on the same wavelength of like, okay, does everything have to be a sort of tier one military operator or can we have some variety in, you know, the characters that we're making? Yeah, definitely. Um, what I really appreciate about, sorry, let me try that again. What I really appreciate about early Lego is they had sort of a nonviolent, um, like they, they wouldn't make toys that had guns or any yeah. sort of violent interactions. So a lot of their stuff was all about research. Yep. Like their, their spaceship line was all about like space scientists researching the planets and traveling and sort of mining space crystals. Do you know what the first Lego line to have guns was? Um, Star Wars, I think. No, Cowboys and Indians or Native Americans. Oh, shoot. You're right. You're right. But then, yes, you are correct. They, they really sort of hit the gas um, with uh, Star Wars. And then it sort of became a – they threw that rule out completely. Yeah. Well, not entirely. Have you heard about that Lego Osprey set that they canceled? No. Oh, my goodness. They had this Lego Technic – osprey helicopter and they canceled it because it's a military helicopter interesting and they said well we're still against violence so we're not going to produce this but here's some more disney sets yeah <laughs> but we're still like they they still produce violent conflicts yeah. in their their sets ninja go it, the ninjas have swords there's no problem with it, but it's just a little inconsistent. Yeah, you know, that's just, uh, that's symbolic gestures. It doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. Yeah, yeah. And they're probably selling the Osprey off the back end, you know, at 300% <laughs> markup. Yeah. <laughs> but hey, at least they're making plant-based bricks, so. I wonder where that's going to go. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think all that stuff is, it's just PR. I think it's posturing. We we can't yeah. sort of we can't address a, a single component of 
the output of manufacturing without addressing the entire structure of manufacturing, which is killing all of us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Of which I am, you know, a, uh, a contributor. But a small contributor. Doesn't matter. No clean hands in the dirty world, my <laughs> friend. Yeah. Um, so a dog, a Gavin Mackey dog, but what is there a, a sort of trope or a specific character you've always you have drawn a lot that you think would make an awesome, awesome action figure? Or what do you think? Hmm. I get a lot of calls to do a samurai, which I'm not really that motivated to do. Hmm. I'm really into cyberpunk sort of stuff. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's really big right now. I think we're going to see a ton of it, especially with the new game coming out. Um, funny um, story. Hackerman actually was much more sort of uh, William Gibson-esque looking. There was this, oh, yeah? this sort of alternate head I had for him that ultimately we didn't make, but it was like... It was like a hacker with long hair and like, you know, almost like steampunk goggles and then a wire coming from his forehead, you know, like very, <laughs> very much what you would imagine something you would find in Shadowrun yeah. or, you know, Neuromancer, things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would be really interested in a figure that had very sort of strange proportions, like sort of the, the Star Wars alien figures. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I really prefer stuff that's really outside of the box. It's true. I believe it. Uh, that stuff is sort of harder to, iter you know, do new iterations of. That's sort of... Yeah, yeah. I understand that's the that. downside to it. But um, I don't know. I, uh, you know, I'm always striving for some level of variety. Who knows what, what this toy line will look like next year. I think, you know, it's going to be a lot more styles coming. Yeah, I'm really excited. Man, the stuff that you have put out this year, especially through COVID and all this crisis, it's it's astounding. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Um, I feel like <laughs> in some respects, it's I'm on borrowed time, you know. Uh, mm. And maybe that borrowed time is 10 years, but I just, I'm very, very extremely paranoid about uh, being able to continue to make stuff. I just, I, yeah, yeah. I see so many things, you know, working against that, whether it's the geopolitical situation in the countries that I manufacture in, if it's the exploitation mm -hmm. of labor, if it's, you know, the, just the fossil fuels and the pollutants. I mean, there's, there's all these things moving in the exact opposite direction of being able to do this indefinitely. Um, yeah, yeah, I understand that. The, the question is, like, what does that timeline look like then? Do I have a year? Mm. Do I have 10 years? Does the planet have 10 years? You know, like, yeah, big <laughs> existential question. Yeah, I feel that. Yeah, fun stuff. <laughs> Uplifting. Uh, what have you been sort of consuming lately? that's been inspiring to you any good music or anime or films 
TV shows? Um, well, let's see. So for, for reading this one publisher called Piao Press, they had a very successful Kickstarter for this X magazine, which is sort of a cyberpunk themed magazine, but they use a lot of really untraditional artists to come out with something that looks uh, cartoony and beautiful. Um, and it's really fantastic. I think everyone should look it up. Uh, is it on Kickstarter now? No, no, no. It um, it just finished uh, a while ago, and I just got mine in the mail. It came with a really cool dust jacket. What's the name? I'll, I'm going to punch it in right now. It's called uh, X Magazine, so E-X Mag. Mag. Uh, <clears throat> X Magazine. Super Divorce Resource Site. No, that doesn't right hmm are they out of the uk um nope that's not it either that is wow okay well type in um type in uh p-o-w p-e-o-w okay i'm typing in xxx in the search oh god okay i don't oh dear god oh okay i see Patrick Crody. Oh, okay. that's, that's right. right. Oh, Sweden. They're Swedish. That's why. Yeah, yeah. That's why they're able to do this. It's that healthy, robust social safety net. <laughs> uh, okay, cool. I will check this out. This sounds good. And I think our audience will check it out as well. That is the 45 minute mark. I think we can wrap this baby up and put it under the tree for good boys and good girls and good non right. Sounds good to me. Um, final question. Sure. Single favorite action figure from your childhood. From my childhood, man, that's a tough one. Just go knee jerk reaction. What pops in your head? Uh, I was really into the Transformers. Uh, probably Armada um, Starscream. It's a really robust, chunky figure, and I just always loved it. Wow, that is, um, I think, surprising. I, I think I was in college <laughs> when that came out. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> um, okay, well, I'll accept it. It's not my choice, but I'll accept it. Sure. Uh, <laughs> I can't blame you for that. Before we go, where can people find you? Remind us again of your Instagram and your wonderful projects on Instagram. Absolutely. Um, so my Instagram for my art is Gavin Flavor on Instagram. G-A-V-I-N-F-L-A-V-O-R, not the British spelling. And uh, my publishing house, Chemical Garden, you can go to chemicalgardenpress.com or you can find me on Instagram at Chemical Garden Press. Excellent. Gavin Mackey, what a wonderful pleasure it's been. And before we say anything else, here. please go, go on toypizza.com and buy Rex Gannon because there is a lot of love put into that, that comic. And it's not... 
it's not your traditional comic. It's pretty cool. Yes. Thank you for that. I do agree. I think we managed to put together something that is slyly transgressive, you know? Absolutely. I think for a, for a book I've been trying to write for more than a decade that was very um, uninteresting and dull in its first incarnation, we really managed to infuse it with just some kind of life force that, you know, it, it never had before. Yeah, definitely. Um, Sometimes you have to put something to the side for a while before you can figure out what to do with it. Yeah, or what you're trying to say. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. All right, Gavin, thank you very much. Uh, You can say the catchphrase that closes out the show, because I know you've listened to every single Pistazapod. (laughs) All right, guys. Pizza oh, he, he knows it. Wow. All right, guys. Thank you, Gavin. <laughs> and pizza out. All right.